Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's get ready, ready, let's get ready, ready, let's get ready, rumble. Watch us wreck the mic, watch us wreck the mic, watch us wreck the mic. Psych. Let's get ready to rumble. Let's get ready to rumble. Get ready. Rumble. Yes, it's me, Antor Deck, here uh, with the, the Royal Rumble Moment Show. It's ESR feature. You love it. We love it. I can't wait to do it. Uh, we're going to get right to it, but the usual plugs are in order. Don't forget, you can check out the feature show on this podcast feed, but we also have ESSR Central. I did the right amount of S's this time. That is a phenomenal feat for me. I'm so happy with myself. But we're running down the week that was in wrestling. Saturday Draft Live is another show. East Meets West, uh, where they... Um, you know, they mail me beforehand to get my opinion and then they talk about, you know, the happens in the world of Japanese professional wrestling. And of course, we have the YouTube channel. Go and check out everything that's on there. Quite Showdown is a fantastic show. Conspiracy Theory and the Book It Tournament. We'll be getting to the semi-finals very, very soon. But let's meet the panel. I've been really nice in my introductions uh, recently, uh, but I'm going to do the funny ones again. Uh, so this should be this should be good. All right. So when this man wears a red hat, as much as he might hate it, he does look like he wants to make America great again. And you know he shares so many things in common uh, with Trump supporters. Like him, uh, a lot of them are very bold as well. Um, and while they may be rednecks, he'll give you a redneck with his patter, ladies and gentlemen. It is David Hockney. How are you? Ah. Uh. I feel disgusted that you're actually comparing me to, to MAGA supporters now. Like, what happened to you, man? It's like, it's just the darkness just consumed you now. You're just insulting everybody now. Oh, I know, but that that was that was trash, so I dumped it. Anyway, moving on. Uh, of course, we now have a man who, if you look up the words lazy bastard in the dictionary, his face will be firmly plastered on there. We suggested doing this at 8 o'clock this morning. He's like, nope. Uh, I guarantee he's probably doing it from his bed still. Hopefully not in the scud. It is Mr. Scott McLeod. How are you? Oh, wouldn't, wouldn't you like to know if I am or not? <laughs> <laughs> To answer your question at the start of the show, you are clearly ant for two important reasons. That forehead and your performance at Quiz Showdown 3 was nothing short of a car crash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh my god. <laughs> very fucking, very good. I couldn't come up with comebacks like that at 8 in the morning. that's very true thank god we postponed it uh, to a much better time in quarter to two in the afternoon when Scott has just awoken breakfast will come after this Um, and there's a guy you know I left the podcast briefly in the light we need to replace you let's bring in another D Campbell months later I was phoned back we need you to come back this guy is simply nothing compared to you however I have taken him under my wing 
All right, and I've held Blossom around to the man that he is today, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. <laughs> the guy who looks like he wants to kill me right now, Mr. Daniel Campbell. <laughs> I'm under your wing. Are you sure don't about stop, that? Don't stop producing my shows, please. <laughs> there we go. I thought so. <laughs> and um, next up, we no, I have nothing bad to say about this guy. He is the most wonderful man in the world of podcasting. Please welcome Mr. Gary Kiernan. Oh, thank you, David. Love you too. I've been looking forward to this show. It's the Rumble. Is just it's my favourite pay per view of the year. I just love it. I love the surprises it throws, the turn, the returns, the little quirky stories you get along the way. I'm so looking forward to talking about some of the favourite moments from the Rumbles over the years. Oh, it will be absolutely fantastic. And and kicking us off with with a, a really big one here. Uh, we need to go back to the year 2001. Britney Spears uh, was topping the charts. Steps were still together, thank Christ. Uh, and this man's favourite wrestler was doing some business in the Rumble. Scott McLeod, it's over to you. Yeah, so you talk about the Rumble. you got to talk about Kane. Come on. you got to talk about the 2001 Royal Rumble, where like, you have about the a record that has now been broken by Roman Reigns and then Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman. Bastards. <laughs> yeah. You gotta think about dominant rumble performances. You need to think about 2001 when Kane was running wild in the Royal Rumble. He came out number six, I believe, and he put the fear of God into Drew Carey. He said, I don't want none of this. Actually, Carey particularly 12 amazing because he scared Drew Carey so much, he eliminated himself. <laughs> and then you got some wrestling, you got Al Snow, Paris Hartner, and that coming in, all bringing weapons in. So Kane just grabs weapons and just, wait, wait, you're it. And Jerry goes on a rampage, and his best elimination of that entire run was when Steve Blackman tries to skin the cat, and Kane just tries to reach out and like, no, you don't. Off you go. And out goes Steve Blackman, the uh, wrestling equivalent of plain toast. <laughs> and you can sum up Taz's entire WWE career as a wrestler in this one rumble as he runs into the ring Kane grabs him lifts him over the turnbuckle punches him and he goes out <laughs> if you did that combination that quickly at a 2k game their music would still be playing <laughs> like Grandpa Simpson comes in hat off to the retro hat back on out the door <laughs> so no doubt it's a fantastic moment, Scott, but just to, to pry you a bit more there, what did this do? Like, where was Kane at this point in his career in 2001, and what did this do for him, you know, going forward post-Rumble? Was this a moment that turned things around or gave him a boost? Yeah, I think 2001 was a big year for Kane, because, like, the year before, he was, like, a face for a lot of it. He was doing the whole thing with Xbox, which ran longer than it should have. And then he was randomly turned heel for a, a nothing thing with Undertaker, and... That he did a feud that definitely wasn't about coffee with uh, with Chris Jericho, and so he was kind of stop start at this point. He was only a couple of years into his run, so I think it was kind of a reminder of how dominant Kane can be. You know, he came out and he's, he's obviously sexiest look at that big tank top uh, that he wore, and uh, that was a big year for him. You no, know, Austin's true heel turn started the Rumble when he eliminated Kane when it came down to the final two. But the fact that he went all that way and he was eliminated by the eventual winner was no shame in that. And Kane won quite a lot of gold that year, so I think at the start of the year it was good to remind everybody how, just how dominant Kane can be in the Royal Rumble. And I think further established Kane is a favourite going forward, and he does currently hold the, uh, this is a big part of why he holds the overall record for eliminations, a number of which I can't quite remember off the top of my head right now. <laughs> Gary, what did you think of this moment? Because Scott brings it up, obviously it's iconic and it's mentioned nearly every year when the Rumble season comes around. 
Absolutely. It was probably the most dominant Rumble performance we'd seen since Diesel, I think, going back some years before it. So it'd been quite a while before we had something like this. And whilst there's a couple of moments in this Rumble which were pretty cool, so uh, you touched on the Drew Carey one, um, there's a great sketch just before it when Vince McMahon stands down, one of Tiger Alley sings charges to give Drew Carey their place in the Rumble. Um, but there's a great bit, the bit I love about this Rumble was the Honky Tonk Man surprise appearance, and he says to Kane, hold on big fella, these people want to hear me sing and see me dance. <laughs> and Kane obviously destroys the guitar over his head. Um, so I thought that was a great moment. When you look through the list of people that Kane had eliminated here, there's one is not like the others in amongst that list. So we got Scotty Too Hotty, Crash Holly, Raven, Al Snow, Perry Saturn, Steve Blackman, Grandmaster Sexy, The Honky Tonk Man and The Rock. So once one of those stands out for me over the, <laughs> other, the rest of the jobbers. Yeah, uh, so that yeah that's, that's exactly who <laughs> yes. stands out. Mr. Sarton stands out. Sarton drinks. What a submission. <laughs> Don't know who that rock guy is. Uh, Dan, just coming back to what we were touching on there, um, and with this, Gary said this is one of the most dominant Rumble performances of all time, and is the Kane and the Rumble have become synonymous with each other. Um, do you think this year coming up, obviously 2021, we don't know how many surprises we'll get because of COVID, but would you like to see Kane come in, you know, in this Rumble 20 years on from this moment to mark the anniversary? I'd be of two minds of that because I'd either A, want Kane in there so that we could have a legacy performer in the Rumble match at the same time. I don't want it to be like, oh, there's Kane. Oh, he's he's an old guy now. Like, I, I yeah. don't want it to be one of those moments. Like, I, I can see a kind of nod from Scott there, just thinking like, yeah, actually, kind of, I, I get what you mean. Like, it'd be, it'd be different if like Kane all of a sudden, between Survivor Series and now, absolutely shreds up and just goes on a complete tear. But you know, I'd, I'd be happy either way with whatever they do with Kane on the pay per view. Maybe not have him in the Rumble match. Maybe have him show up in some capacity. We'll, we'll see what happens. At least we know he's still got his wrestling gear. Sure, that. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> else followed his shopping gear. <laughs> he, he is he is a man who I, I've just found it funny when the whole mask debate was going on that he was the one to vote against it. Uh, a man who's wore a mask for the majority of his, his professional wrestling career. It just <laughs> boggles the mind. Uh, but Dave, I was going to come to you. We've talked about how dominant this performance was from Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously not the only time someone's dominated the Rumble. Have there been any other you know, Rumble takeovers that you've enjoyed over the years from a single competitor? Well, there's uh, a few you could list off the top of my head. It was because uh, obviously I think the bar was set with Hulk Hogan when he eliminated 10 superstars uh, in one Rumble one year. So I think, you know, a, a megastar like Hogan is obviously one to set the bar. But at the same time, you can't overlook, you know, performances like Braun Strowman in the Greatest Royal Rumble, given that, you know, even though it was 50 superstars, 13 people eliminated is still pretty impressive. Yeah. But. I think the biggest dominating performance is obviously Brock Lesnar in 2020, where he starts from number one, makes it to halfway, and eliminates just about everybody that comes out within the space of a few minutes. Uh, it, that is what I consider probably one of the most dominant Royal Rumble performances of all time, because even though Kane sort of came out early, you know, he still had to, he still had people coming out and filling up the rings, but that's not to take anything away from Kane setting records, you know, 11 people in one in one Rumble. Plus, he had that sort of hardcore element as well with all the weapons being brought out with Al Snow and Raven, which I think added a bit more 
bit more sort of it factor to it. it made it a look looked a bit more destructive, a little bit more dominant. So I think that's why that's why Kane's performance stands out. And Dave, you've made my job a bit easier for me because we are <laughs> going to move on to Gary. Gary, tell us more about that Brock Lesnar performance in the 2020 number one. And how did it end again? How did it how did that come out close? Remind me of all these things. Yeah, it's almost like David Hockney's read the script for today and he's preempted what a fellow panelist was going he's to talk micro-hosting about. Micro-hosting again. Uh, I'm not micro-hosting, I'm doing my research. I'm planning ahead of time. No, yeah, yeah. Eating into somebody else's spot. <laughs> nice the segue. Stats gimmicks for Saturday Draft Live, not here. <laughs> Who do you think you are, Cody? Like, I like, love the stats gimmick. <laughs> so the 2020 Rumble, Brock Lesnar entered as number one and went on, as, as Mr. Hockney touched on, uh, a rather impressive elimination spree. And there was a moment in the match where it looked like the fans were starting to to wane or, and turn on this this moment. Um, there were a couple of notable eliminations uh, that the fans were clearly disappointed with, uh, and particularly the man on the speed of them, Cesaro was one of them, Shinsuke Nakamura, and another one where we were quite disappointed. But there were also some really good moments leading up to my moment. We had this lovely moment with, uh, I think it was a good moment with um, Rey Mysterio, Big E and Kofi Kingston teaming up in Brock and a fantastic finishing sequence there. I thought the Keith Lee moment was was fantastic when Keith Lee came out and they squared off against each other and Brock's reaction was was phenomenal there. Uh, Number 15 in this rumble was Ricochet. So up until this point, Brock had eliminated people in relatively quick uh, order. Ricochet managed to survive the 90 seconds until number 16 came out which was Scotland's own Drew McIntyre and a uh, huge pop Drew came out looking like a million dollars as well and anybody that watched the Stone Cold session with um, the Broken Skull session with Drew Drew talks about this moment and then he gets in the ring and he starts trash talking with Brock and you can see them squaring up with each other and he, he, Drew is taller uh, uh, than Brock Brock takes off his gloves as if like we're going to throw down there, no kidding around here. But before they could actually do anything, before they come uh, interact with one another, Ricochet from behind kicks Brock in the balls. Brock doubled over, lifts his head up for a moment, a fantastic Claymore kick. And Brock, Brock sells his ass off at this point. I thought it was fantastic. Right over the top rope. The crowd go mental. Heyman is in shock. Brock, is, as I mentioned, continued to sell this overall. We got a, an amazing moment. And actually, uh, I've said in this show before that based on that moment, I didn't think that Drew needed to go on and win the Rumble. Drew, Drew's Mania match was set from that point on, as far as I was concerned. So him winning it went on to be an icing, uh, icing on the cake for me. But that, I thought that was a fantastic moment. The WWE had, you know, they were building towards it and folk were kind of getting a bit restless, but stuck with it a wee bit longer. And they got the fantastic payoff. Brock... Uh, eliminated by Drew McIntyre in the 2020 Royal Rumble. I love that. And Dave, you're clearly chomping at the bit uh, (laughs) to talk about this moment. How significant was this? Because we've seen the aftermath now. A year later, Drew McIntyre into his second reign as Mm. WWE Champion. This was the moment where the perception of Drew McIntyre turned from could be to this is your future star. Mm. 
Like, I think I can speak on behalf of all of us here where I think we all jumped out our seats when that moment happened. It was so significant in a way that not only was it a big development for Drew's character, because largely before the Rumble, he was sort of portrayed as maybe a heel and at best a tweener. I think this was the moment he was solidified as he's going to be a face character going forward. And that's a huge thing for him. and for him to sort of go on to win the whole thing as well, like, because he was around sort of halfway through the Rumble, he, he lasted the longest, he eliminated the most people. And that tense moment at the end with Roman Reigns, you know, thinking it's either going to be those two that are going to win. Of, I mean, the, the anticipation, the excitement and the energy uh, that came out after Drew's win, it, it you, you can't describe it. It was probably the high point of 2020 for a lot of people. And I think this is probably the best example that WWE's done in a long time of saying, this guy is going to be our new top guy and we're going to push him to the moon. And that's exactly what they've done this year. Yeah, there was there was another element in the moment that Gary talked about that I do want to go to Scott for because Drew eliminates Brock, but he doesn't do it without help. Scott, yeah. should that have been a bigger moment than it was for Ricochet? Do you think WWE dropped the ball? with maybe trying to give him some of that rub alongside Drew? I think so, yeah, because uh, on the Raw before this, I believe there was a thing with Ricochet and Brock where Brock just hoofed uh, Ricochet in the balls and then just walked away. So this is kind of the revenge from Ricochet and then Ricochet actually earned a title shot at Super Showdown and then just got squashed. I mean, nobody expected Ricochet to win, but you would have thought he would have gotten like a Ray, what, Ray or AJ or people like that had gotten before him a bit of an offence get brought to sell a lot of it for the smaller guy before inevitably winning. So yeah, they really dropped the ball in that regard. Uh, I think what we're, we're seeing a common theme between my one and Gary's pick here, and they mentioned if, like Diesel's one earlier on, that it's always a great moment where the ring fills up a bit and I get somebody just starts throwing people out, whereas at first it was just brought this guy out, figured out, and then the ring filled up a wee bit, you had three on one, and then brought just leaping over, I think, Biggie's back to a clothesline that yeah. nearly took Kofi Kingston's head off, and then they threw the, he threw them out you know, and I think so about a year on, the rumour is now that it's going to be Keith Lee, Brock Lesnar and Drew in a triple threat at WrestleMania. And how fitting a year later, these were the two men out of everybody, Lee and uh, Drew, that Brock really sold when they were coming mm-hmm. out and they got the most offence in on Brock when they came into the ring. So I think, I don't know if this is a whole plan here, but it would be quite fitting a year later, the two men who got the most offence in on Brock and the one who ultimately eliminated them were in the main event at WrestleMania because... Lee, when he came in especially, was like the hottest he'd ever been because he was coming off the varieties. He'd won the Mm -hmm. North American title that same week on NXT. So like the Keith Lee train was running running high at that point. For sure. And Daniel, I think think Brock should have a a wee word with Uncle Bill over the phone because when you have an established star like that, this is what they should be used for. You know, giving that rub to the younger talent. And... (laughs) For all that's been said, we've had critics of Brock on this podcast. I've not always been the biggest fan of what he's done. Like we've seen Alan Lucas certainly hasn't in the past. But you can't deny when Brock's been asked to lie down, when Brock's been asked to put someone else over, he does it magnificently. He certainly does, because there was like I'll admit at first when I was watching the Rumble, I was just like, why are they even doing this? What's the point? Like he's came back in, he's basically chucked everyone out. I wasn't sold on it. Then I rewatched it, and then I realised, oh, now now everything's clicked in. Lesnar goes on this tear because he's like, I've got no challengers, and then up steps Drew McIntyre, 
and that's the story going out of it. Lesnar walked in thinking, this is going to be a piece of piss, I'll just chuck everyone out, it'll be easy. And then instead, no, that's not how this is going to go. McIntyre comes in with the assist from Ricochet, Claymore's him out of the ring, and Lesnar is instantly like built for six. He's like, okay, that was not what I was thinking was going to happen. And even just the fact that Lesnar sat there for a while, looking up at McIntyre, who barely took his eyes off him, like he eliminates Ricochet, he eliminates Miz, eyes back again on Lesnar. Like, yeah, perfect. It's perfect. And Gary, any closing thoughts before we move on from this moment? A really great one you brought up here. Yeah, it certainly was the making of Drew. It established himself as a as a top top player, main event talent here. I just think you know, there's there's moments, and I'm sure we've all been guilty of this at times that we jump to conclusion. We we don't allow ourselves just to be fans and uh, and uh, take the moment or allow the WWE in this instance to take us with them. We sort of prejudge it as we're going along rather than they, well they just see what the destination is going to be here and I think that was happening I certainly was guilty of it there were moments in here where there was some of the talent that would eliminate was eliminated um, uh, John Morrison springs to mind for me because he'd only just come back and he was you know done done with very very quickly so there's some people that we maybe like to have seen get a wee bit more of a uh, showing in the match but that wasn't the story the story you know this was chapters in the story building up to to Drew uh, coming out victorious here so sometimes uh, maybe a plea you know give it a chance let it breathe let's not prejudge everything straight away let's give it a chance to get to the destination I see a lot of parallels obviously as a movie guy between um, WWE fans and fans of the major franchises like Star Wars and Marvel they'll, they'll see elements of a story and they'll think oh no not that that's not my Spider-Man you know, that's not my Luke Skywalker. We've seen where it plays out. You know, and I think that's what happened at the Royal Rumble. It's interesting, but it wasn't the only thing to happen at the 2020 Royal Rumble. Dave, I think you know it. I yeah. Think you do. You think you know me? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, so um, Edge's return. Like, if anything took away, if anything was going to take away the, the moment of Drew McIntyre's victory, it was going to be this as the most talked about moment coming back uh, so yeah Edge's return after nine years on the shelf and ten years since his last Royal Rumble match which he won as well so I mean how fitting is it that you know Edge who's been pretty much said you can't wrestle anymore because of your your neck injuries uh, and that was heartbreaking as well to know it just came so out of the blue after his Wrestlemania 27 title match uh, it was a sad moment for a lot of people but then again it wasn't like he was gone forever. You know, he still made sporadic appearances with the cutting edge and he did uh, some some promos he did in there. He did the peep show with Christian a couple of times, even had their own network show on the WWE Network. Mm-hmm. But I think it was just a bit of a missed, missed chance to see, see Edge having to retire, like forced to retire, not on his own terms. And that's one of his... He's come out and said that's one of his big regrets is that he wasn't able to retire on his own terms. But was watching his documentary... And it said it was after he fell off his bike that he didn't feel like any jolt or pain in his neck when he fell off. And he thought, wait a minute, maybe I could come back. So then he got the triple fusion neck surgery. He was cleared and he kept such a low profile on social media as well. Like, because there were rumors speculating that, okay, maybe, maybe not, maybe. And he posted a picture of his wrestling boots as well. And it was just like, okay, maybe he's teasing us a bit here. We did, a lot of people didn't take it seriously either. But then as soon as that music hit, uh, 
the most random point in the match, number 21. So you're not talking like, you know, number 30, you know, you expect a big, massive crescendo, or maybe number 29, where he made his surprise return after his Achilles tendon injury. But such a random spot in the, in the rumble, I think, is what added to the surprise factor. And then the, the camera cut almost to him, and he was just on the stage. So you don't take a minute to process it. It just all hits you at once. And I think the reaction in the, in the arena pretty much summed up. It's, yeah. It was such a massive, massive response for somebody who was pretty much ruled out 10 years ago. I completely agree with that. And I don't think there was a dry eye in the house um, that night, certainly for me. When I watched it, I felt goosebumps. I felt emotional. I started watching 2006. Um, Edge was the bastard that I love to hate. You know, that's, <laughs> that's as simple as it was. He was my villain. Um, so seeing him come back in that moment and the expression of his face, it was, it was marvellous. Mm-hmm. But Dan, Dave talks about the randomness of 21. But when we consider it with Gary's moment there, Drew comes out at 16, five entrants, gives the crowd that time to die down. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to once again go back to the construction of the 2020 Royal Rumble was sublime. Absolutely. Yeah, because you look at how they just structured the whole thing together. Like It was... Realistically, when they do a Royal Rumble match, there is a little bit of like like a methodic way to structure it out. But when it came to this one, I think it's probably the best one they've done, like all together. So I'm just I'm just pulling up the list just now so I can have a look myself. But McIntyre came out at number sixteen, yeah, and kicks Brock out of there. Everyone's gobsmacked, like, huh, what's happened? <laughs> But then you look at the people who came in afterwards, and it wasn't like it was a big pool of people. McIntyre was there. You had AJ Styles, you had Dolph Ziggler, and you had Carl Anderson. Yeah. So it wasn't like there was, you know, a whole heap of names in there. It was a nice small pool. And the the bad part as well is that it was good workers. (laughs) Plus, the one thing I liked about this... Now, I hated it because the camera didn't catch it. Very much like when AJ Styles debuted a few years prior... Yeah, I still hate that um, but they've re-edited it since then so this is now on the network the first person Edge Spears is Dolph Ziggler the perfect symmetry Dolph Ziggler was his last opponent at Wrestlemania the last spear he gave in his active career first spear he comes back with Dolph Ziggler it's, it's something that not many people picked up on I just loved being able to see that and like we all said oh, well it's mine Daniel it was, it was Alberto who was his last opponent but mm. he did feud with Ziggler oh, before okay, he left yeah. yeah there was he did have the feud with Ziggler yeah, yeah, over yeah that was because that was the one they did um, if yeah, you use the spear you'll be disqualified yeah this is the spear anyway um, <laughs> but you're so, right though there was there was definitely history there so it was mm-hmm. fitting um, but it wasn't the only man that Edge had history with who came into the Rumble Scott and this is what we're talking about when the, the Rumble's such a good mechanism for these long-term stories rated RKO Scott reforming oh, on the night oh the, uh, you talked about like Edge being the guy you love to hear in 2006 I'm the same in the mid 2000s I've mentioned it once or twice before the two people I hated most uh, I was disappointed every time they came out Triple H and Edge back in the and they were still real to me back then <laughs> and it's that moment because like, I didn't believe it for a second that he was going to come back I thought it was all prone or, or his music there's still a part of me in the back of my brain thought this is some heel like it's going to be like Corbin or something like that some trying to troll us and then he was there and then 
like it's still like when you look at back at the reactions thing like this was 2020 this was less than a year ago and there were actually fans there remember that i don't mm-hmm. and, yeah and like we were always kind of sad at the start of the show that there was no pyro for a big four pay-per-view and then they saved it all they saved it all for edge when he came out because like i was talking to a friend of mine afterwards and he said for ages like the reason Derry stopped using pyro the real reason is because they blew the budget when edge and batista were around and blew the pyro budget just it was everywhere and yeah that led to the moment between edge and orton and then the, night, the moment the night after like i don't think anybody could have seen how good this feud with orton was going to be because some people were thinking they wanted edge versus aj because uh you know aj got injured in that spear and yeah. then aj went on to feed the undertaker but it was just like I said, a moment you never thought would happen. Like he already had one spectacular rumble return when he won it, and then I think a lot of people now think this moment could always has it because we never thought he was coming back. Yeah, and I think that's the key, isn't it, Gary? We didn't think we would ever see this, and in modern wrestling, too often, you know, surprises are spoiled. It's the it's the age we live in. It's the digital age we live in. But this shows that when we get a surprise, it's done right. It's the most magical thing in all of wrestling. Yeah, there were some rumours around about this time that Edge was going to appear, but I think most folk took them with a pinch of salt. And um, there were stronger rumours about Christian uh, appearing. Um, I mean, the Edge return was was fantastic. The guys, I think you're absolutely right what you said about 21, because in our mind, number 30 has been built up to be this big thing. uh, there were also some great fan videos that came out in the back of us. Remember the drunk Scotsman running up and yeah. down? <laughs> yeah. All, we focus, which helped make this moment. But I think I think it was Daniel that said this. I, 2020 for me is the best Royal Rumble that mm-hmm. we've done. The storytelling throughout, and there's great moments throughout it. So we got Edge, we got, you know, I, I love the re- legends returning for the Rumble. Um, yeah. And generally speaking, they are used in the right format. So MVP's return was great. Yeah. But the Drew Brock moment I touched about. We had the NXT call ups, which we touched on uh, Keith Lee appearing, but Matt Riddle getting a nice little appearance there as well rated RKO happens in this one but also the story arc going into it with Seth Rollins and his group going up against um, yeah. Kevin Owens Alistair Black um, I forget Samoa Joe Samoa Joe thank you and then you had that moment of them all coming together and the AOP being taken out by yes. Black and Joe and it left Rollins alone and he tried to you know reform the shield with Roman and he gets his ass whipped and gets eliminated I just thought there were so many little stories throughout this particular rumble which was great Shelton Benjamin and Brock Lesnar that was another, yeah, was another one great I think MVP this music playing and Brock dancing to it is he's coming <laughs> the best bit is Brock like Keith Lee's making his way to the ring and Brock just mouthing who's this motherfucker <laughs> Oh, big boy. Oh, big boy. I do yeah. have to give a shout out at this point. Uh, the stars of this rumble, Shane McMahon, Abyss, Jamie Novo, and Lance Storm. Uh, they were the producers of this Royal Rumble match. Mm. They've done a mm. tremendous job. Fantastic yeah. job. Fantastic talents, each each in their own right. Best wrestler in the world, Shane McMahon. You know? <laughs> no, 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 say it properly. 
We don't oh, have time for that. Let's move on. Let's move on. We move on. And from something highly emotional uh, and profound uh, to a man bringing a ladder into a Royal Rumble match. Daniel, it's over to you. Yep, it's Tuesday. You know what that means. We're going to be talking Rumble stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, 2016 was a very interesting point. WWE had just come off of actually having an audience cheer the living daylights out of Roman Reigns winning the WWE Heavyweight Championship. Unbelievable to think that happened. It did happen. In the same building, he got booed out of for winning the Rumble the year prior. (laughs) Perfect symmetry there again. So, Roman Reigns is coming into it and the McMahon family and the authority do not want him as champion. So, Vince McMahon declares, you will enter the Royal Rumble at number one. It is one against all. It's possibly also him who put Scott in at number one in the, on the gauntlet, so let's find out what happened there. <laughs> Moving forward, uh, so Roman comes in, number one, he gets a few interesting folk to face, particularly AJ Styles, who debuts entering at number three. Again, like we were saying with the unusual numbers, it's not a big number, AJ comes out at number three. Mm-hmm. I just hate the fact they didn't show it. But then we carry on further into the Rumble, and then number 12 hits and now before that I will preface it with apparently this was not meant to happen this was just thought of literally within the hour hey let's do this so number 12's music hits and it's our boy Artrizzle he charges down to the ring he doesn't go into the ring he goes under the ring he takes out a ladder he puts it into the ring everyone is sat at the corners of the ring just looking like what the hell is going on here? <laughs> and he climbs up, big look of glee in his face. He's overcame his fear of heights. He reaches up for the briefcase. <laughs> There's no briefcase here. What the hell? And then he gets yanked off a ladder by Kane and chucked out. So, it, it, it's just something so daft from our truth because R-Truth has one of these brilliant, like, he's one of the best comedic wrestlers that we have now. Because he's gone from being, like, we discussed it on the Arch- we discussed it on the R-Truth show, he went from being, you know, he made history, two-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion, has a great run in TNA, comes back to WWE, and then, in the, pre- the last year or so, finds his footing just with some comedic moments. I mean, the year yes. before, he's like, I'm going to win Money in the Bank! You're not even in the match! I love how Kane's involved in both those moments. Yeah. It's the perfect mm. guy to play off of. I know, but like, Kane, Kane and R-Truth are like one of the best pairings that you get. I mean, Truth's just like, look, you sure? Yeah, I'm positive. <laughs> and the whole while, Dolph and Roman are just losing their shit in the ring, just laughing. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious. It, it is really funny. And Gary, that's the thing. We talk about these big moments, the grand spectacle of WWE, but you need that levity there, don't you? Absolutely, and some of my favourite moments in the Rumble for the years are uh, are these funny moments. Like I love Too Cool dancing in Madison Square Garden during the Rumble. I love the Boogeyman and Bray Wyatt, the Eater of Worlds versus the Eater of Worlds. I love, he he slaved her two years ago. Do you remember when he was coming in and he, everybody got knocked, he got beat up on his way to the ring. And he just kicks him. Followed, <laughs> knocked him down, and then he gets in. Sheamus throws him in, and he eliminates Sheamus straight away. And he goes out not long afterwards. And when he gets eliminated, Michael Cole, who I don't rate very highly, but one of his best calls I think was. 
Slater. What an effort from Slater in this rumble. He lasted <laughs> however many minutes. But obviously he was only in the ring for about 30 seconds. <laughs> let, let us not forget, he eliminated Seamus on Seamus's birthday. In two <laughs> seconds. Yep. Well, let's talk about, let's just go on that. Scott, do you have any other funny Royal Rumble moments that haven't been mentioned that you've enjoyed? Oh, dude, I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm still... They think about the Kane, the symmetry between Kane and Arthur, like Kane being involved in that moment, and just like, the idea of him coming down, Drake coming down the ladder, and Kane like, not this again, and on you, you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we didn't mention on the Arthur show, like when Kane won the 24 7 title from Arthur and then walked off yelling, I still got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's something, well, I, I mean, an honourable mention has to go for to Kai and Kai, surely. And yes. amongst these I, moments. I did like I was thinking of picking them because mm-hmm. they're not even the official entrances into the Rumble match. They just keep running in to try and disrupt it and then poor Takamichinoku. <laughs> oh, oh what a bum. He, he gets shut out of the ring and completely misses being able to land his feet on the floor and just flat. Yep. <laughs> you know like the hurricane in two thousand and two coming out yeah. and trying to double choke slam <laughs> Stone Cold and Triple H and then they both looking like these two hate each other and they both came together for their combined hatred of this guy like get out of here <laughs> what, about, what about in the the 2020 Women's Rumble where the, you had the surprise return of Santina and to Billy and Chuck's music <laughs> yep to Billy and Chuck's music uh, she stares down Beth Phoenix and I think it was Natalia it's it was Natty, yeah. and then he just looks at two of them Cobra's himself over the top rope and just lands on the floor you're just like <laughs> oh, I'm glad sure. you mentioned Santino uh, Santina because there was a moment with Santino and Mick Foley where we had Soko versus the yes. Cobra <laughs> amazing <laughs> Was it? Don't forget about uh, Zelina and Hornswoggle. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. Or chasing Zelina out the rumble match. About about Otis saving Mandy from elimination as well. Just that was on the floor. Yes, that was an incredible (laughs) moment. I love that. Oh yeah. There was. Oh oh, yeah. The other one I just thought of there. Remember 2012? Cole, JBL, and Booker T all took turns. (laughs) (laughs) The commentary team just going up, and And Cole gets eliminated by the welfare queen herself. Karma, go season three of you coming on this channel within the next ten, the next year. Very exciting. Oh wow. Yeah, we had it in the 1997 Rumble where Jerry the King Lawler tries to sneak up and break the Hitman heart, and he says in the commentary. To Vince McMahon, it takes a king, and he takes his headset off, <laughs> climbs up the top rope, goes to jump down, Brett catches him, punches him over the top rope, he sits back down, puts his head on, to know a king! <laughs> <laughs> and Vince says to him, oh king, look, look your, your jacket's all twisted, you're a, you're a real mess. <laughs> oh wait, I think we're forgetting the one of the greatest ones of all time, specifically named on the greatest Royal Rumble. Titus oh. Worldwide, Titus Worldwide. Titus Worldwide, yeah. yes. Oh my God. I, I remember Elias was talking about in one of the FBE re- React videos. that yeah. uh, It's like a YouTube channel. And I remember he was sitting in the corner. He just clocked, a, um, he clocked the screen. He was just like, what the heck just happened there? I can't remember if he was pissing himself laughing or not. But Apollo Crews also said that everybody in the back was just creasing when that happened. It was just brilliant. <laughs> it is. I, I, I'm afraid, boys. 
I do need to pull a swerve on you I here. Used to get replayed <laughs> yeah, I need to pull a swerve on you. You know, I too was going to talk about a humorous moment where where Vicky Guerrero comes back. You know, in the the ah, yeah. rubble, a great moment, very funny. And I know that I, I talk about this wrestler enough, and I shouldn't big up her achievements more than I already have. People have already heard it before, but I just couldn't help myself. As Trish Stratus returning in the very first Women's Royal Rumble match, mm. number 30, you think of the face of women's wrestling, you think of that Mount Rushmore, and before you've decided on the other three, you're already carving Trish's face into that thing. All right. Women's Royal Rumble, we love that word in the podcast, historic. And it truly was, and it was an earned moment, one that should have probably happened a long time before it did. And you see it, number 30. You're thinking, who could it be? Who is fitting enough to go into that spot? And who else could it be apart from Trish Stratus? And the pop she gets when she comes out there is a pop that's not only one of happy to see you back is a pop of appreciation you know and it's recognition that Trish Stratus in that moment isn't just Trish Stratus she's representative of all the talented women who didn't get that opportunity back in their day you know and she's truly the figurehead for that moment she goes in beautiful interactions in there you know we see Trish Stratus mixing up with the likes of the Bella Twins when do you think you see that happen she looks up there's an old rival Mickey James, one of the best rivalries in women's wrestling. The pop you get with that, you get moments in time. You get Rock Austin, you know. You get you get Tamina Naya. You get Trish Mickey, you know. A great great standoff there, and she eventually gets eliminated by Sasha Banks. An exchange there that still gets talked about to this very day. That women's the first women's rumble. People say it relied too heavily on former stars. But I think it's necessary in that moment, and there was no one more fitting to be in that spot than Trish Stratus. Uh, Dave, I'll come to you. What do you think about Trish returning to number 30 in the first Women's Royal Rumble? I mean, you couldn't really have picked anyone else, except if you're going for a really big outside pick. Uh, because there was a lot of rumours about Ronda Rousey obviously showing up too. I think there was some people that thought maybe she could have taken it too. But... Looking at the Women's Royal Rumble as a whole, you know, this was the first time it's ever happened. And everybody always anticipates who's going to be the massive number 30 entrant. You couldn't get a bigger female star at the time than probably Trish Stratus. But not to take anything away from any of the other competitors because, you know, she had that face-off with Sasha Banks, you know, she's looking at possible future feuds. You had, as as you mentioned, you know, the rival with Mickey James. There was a nice wee uh, throwback to that. Yeah. Uh, but... I think that's sort of encapsulated uh, by all the returns of all the women from the past. You know, you had Kelly Kelly show up, you had Molly Holly show up, Michelle McCool was there, Tori Wilson, uh, Beth Phoenix as well, who had that stare off with Nia Jax. I thought that was quite a cool moment. Beth needs to get over herself and just come back because <laughs> that woman can still go. I, as, if you know? the 2020 rubble's anything to go by, I think you're absolutely right there. Yes, uh, Trish coming out, you know, obviously Lita came out at the, the very start of the match as well. Not like one and two, but like number six, I believe five, it was. Uh, five. Yeah, five, sorry. Uh, but I suppose that could be relatable in the same way, you know, it's it gets Sasha and Becky, you know, are two reliable competitors to get the ball rolling. Then you start bringing out the surprises and yes. then that's when you brought Lita out. Uh, I wasn't expecting her to last the whole distance, but you needed something, you know, to sort of finish the entries on a nice note and... Trish was obviously the right person for the for the job. Yeah, Gary, do you agree with what Dave's saying there about all those returns at the Rumble? And what were your thoughts seeing Trish come out at number 30? 
Yeah, I, do, I mean, when you look through it, there's of the 30 women, there were 10 of them that were returns. Lita, Molly, Holly, Michelle McCool, Vicky Guerrero, Kelly Kelly, Jacqueline, Beth Phoenix, Vicky, Bree and Trish. Now, very few of these I would put into the washed up category. They're not, um, they're not the honky tonk man, you know, <laughs> you know, who are pushing their... 50s and you know the active ring days are long gone you know these are still people that um you know are still in the prime of their life as yeah. well and uh, clearly and most of them in, in phenomenal shape as well um you know the only one you know vicky guerrero kelly kelly not the most talented technical wrestlers in the world, darling. Like Vicky Guerrero has been called a technician, whatever. No, I mean, despite her uh, her family connections there, but I have a place there. Nikki, Bree, Trish, Beth, um, they could all, they could, you know, Trish came back again, had a great match with Charlotte. They still yeah. have plenty in the tank then, so I had no objection to many of these people here. And actually, for the first Women's Royal Rumble, it's not as if their appearance in this one denied somebody yeah. else a spot in it. Uh, the women's roster at that time wasn't the greatest. We still got plenty of people from NXT appearing in it. You know, Ember Moon, for example, appeared in this rumble. You know, if, you know, if we're talking 2021, and you're you're taking a third of the spaces yeah. for folk. But like the men's rumble, you take two or three of those spaces for surprises. That's that's plenty. That's good here. So no objection to that. I thought Trish's appearance at the end of this rumble was was it was very fitting. Actually, I can't think of anything else to say on it. It was it was a really nice moment. And actually, um, you know, people use the word deserve quite a lot in wrestling a bit too yeah. freely. But I really do think that she deserved that spot. And I think all the ladies that we just mentioned deserve their spot, particularly people like Jacqueline, who are actually. Really bloody good wrestlers. Yeah. Uh, they just didn't get the chance to shine. Can you imagine somebody like Jacqueline today? She would be great coming back. I think even as like that, because they're trying to play with this Mickey James role, and I think Mickey's been hampered by injuries and lack of creative. But I do think what the women's division has missed at times is that, you know, veteran wrestler. And I think you do it with Natty to an extent. Um, but I do think the likes of Mickey, you know, even bringing Jacqueline back, even we've seen Ivory, you know, come, I love Ivory. Oh. I think Ivory's due to be on the Legends edition of Raw as well. Oh. So, mm. you know, but you're absolutely right. You do need. How do you get better? You work with people who are better than you. Yeah. And you need these people that know the ring, know the psychology, know how to put a match together to help some of these people. And that's why Natalia, for example, has had such a long career and yeah. possibly not had you know, the, the spotlight, the achievements she deserves because she helps the others mm. get up there. And there's the rumours as well. Um, Trish has been approached for an NXT coaching role, uh, which I think would just be you know phenomenal. Help build that brand there, the best women's division in the world, in my opinion. But Scott, mm-hmm. looking towards the future, obviously Women's Royal Rumble wasn't a one and done. It's become a regular part of the calendar. If you were to bring anyone back, a surprise return at number thirty this year, do you have any pitches in mind for who would fill that slot? I think maybe Victoria, because I think there was rumours she was meant to be in the. Uh, Twenty twenty mm-hmm. Rumble, like there was a picture mm-hmm. or somebody took like, you could see like the Titan Trump from their window and like Victoria's name was coming up, but then she never appeared in the match. I was waiting, watching the women's rumble, waiting for Victoria to come out. And mm-hmm. that, and if she wasn't already looking like she's appearing in impact at the moment, uh, Jazz, I think, 
would be cool to see her come back. And we saw her at the uh, Double or Nothing, no, sorry, the All Out Casino Battle Royale, the women's one. And like, she's got this mm-hmm. music where she's you know, got the bald head now. And yeah. she was really underrated. Like, you talk about Trish and that. Like, when Trish and Leah get talked about a lot, but like WrestleMania 18, she beat both Trish and Leah in a triple threat for the women's sale. Not a lot of people talk about that because they had the unfortunate duty of Rock Hogan, which was yeah. an unfortunate spot for them to be in. And it's hard for anybody. For uh, sure. But I, I do agree. I like this moment with Trish uh, coming back. Apart, apart of me, Paul, not just because I was happy to see Trish back, is that part of me had a fear that Stephanie would enter herself into the Rumble. Yeah. She's sitting there at ringside. <laughs> and when number 30 came in, it wasn't her. I thought, yes, Stephanie's not in it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I wouldn't be against her with number Trish 30 this year. I wouldn't be against it. No. But we will. We will go across to Daniel. Do you have any others, uh, Victoria and Jazz, good shouts? Do you have any others that you would put in at number 30 for this year's Women's Rumble? Ooh. Uh, it's difficult, obviously, to try and judge, obviously, with everything still going on. But if I was to bring someone back, uh, I'd actually just play safe this year. Like, we can keep the main roster that is. I think get someone from NXT to be a big surprise. Oh, Stephanie McMahon for the rumble. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll say what that. About, um, what about uh, Melina? She is, uh, she, is rumored, she is rumored to come back for Raw Legends Night. I mean, who's to, say, who's to say? Who's to say? Who's to say she won't appear in the rumble? And she's she's a decorated uh, former multi-time champion as well. Very true, true, Gary. There's a couple that I've, I was thinking of there. Uh, the first one, I'm not, I don't think she's been in a rumble yet, but former Divas champion Maurice. Yes. Something I was wondering about. Yeah, you're right. She's not been in a rumble. <laughs> uh, there's another, uh, another two yeah. I was thinking of uh, is Stacey Keebler, um just for the pop that would happen there. And uh, this one would probably be more of a, a reach, but AJ Lee. Imagine. Imagine. Imagine, imagine, mm. imagine. That would be so good, man. But then we would need cult of personality to play a little later in the night. <laughs> yeah, I think you need you can't, you can't have one without the other, you know. That'd be insane. Got that song in my head now, cult of personality. <laughs> but we did ask it's not only the panelists who we asked their opinions on their favourite moments. We did go and we got opinions uh, on the on the Facebook community group. Uh, as Gary has been known to do recently, he was asking people direct questions in the comments and he tagged his brother Derek. He said, remember when Demolition were number one and two and Derek replied, that was awesome. And we see Demolition in action and a wee gift there. It was lovely. Uh, Jack Graham said his favourite Royal Rumble was when Santino emerged from the ashes. Oh, yes. At the end. <laughs> and the excitement fell in the air when we thought that he might actually win the whole thing. That was insane. Um, and then he also mentions uh, the McIntyre moment that Gary uh, brought up. That was a very popular one. Ryan Dugleish, uh, his name Titus World Slides, is yep. another we mentioned for that mm-hmm. great moment there. And also Daniel's pick of our truth thinking it's a ladder. Uh, Dave Holmes <laughs> mentions when Scott brought up the hurricane in 2002. Um, he mentions Maven. Remember him? Former Tough Enough winner? Yep. Oh, yes, Dave. fantastic. What a shocker. Great. Great moment. Uh, Edge's return, to which I'd say which one. Um, and he also mentioned another one that we're going to get into a bit later on, so I'll save mentioning that just now. Sean Smith shares a picture of the two cool dance that Gary brought up, mm. um, which is also very entertaining. 
Um, and he also um, names um, the 1992 Rumble as a whole before my time, uh, but still possibly the best ever Royal Rumble match. And I would, I would say, right, Flair's promo is a great moment. I say, tear in my eye. It's fantastic. Another great thing about that Rumble was Bobby Heenan and commentary. See when Ric Flair came out as number three, he yeah. was like beside himself because uh, <laughs> at that point nobody in the early stages ever went. On, yeah, anything in the rumbles, then kind of like numbers one to ten were kind of like your tag team wrestlers, they were there for filler or cannon fodder. Yeah, so the Ric Flair coming out early at that point was unheard of, and Heenan was fantastic. And we should do, I know we've done our best commentator show, but I guess commentary moment show would be great because that added to that rumble. And you look at moments like Biden with with Kofi's journey, you know, going there with the New Day. Even Graves this week when Big E goes over to him after he wins the, the IC title. And he's talking to Graves. I just think when commentary's done right, it's, it's superb. But, mm-hmm. you know, we are going to get in. Everyone's got a wee second pick to give us here. And I think, first of all, I'm going to go to Mr. Daniel Campbell. Um, because we're talking about the first ever women's rumbles there. But they weren't the first women to enter into a Royal Rumble match. Daniel, can you tell us about that? Well, obviously we were wanting women to be involved in the Royal Rumble in some capacity for some time. So much so that this woman's music does says, don't treat me like a woman, don't treat me like a man, don't treat me like you know me. So we end up with the 1999 Royal Rumble. We are at the height of the Corporation versus D-Generation X. Austin is entering the Rumble, McMahon is entering the Rumble. I mean, hell, they're entering at number one and two. So there's the story going into it. But that wasn't the only story that was there in that rumble. We also had some interesting stories, such as the Ministry of Darkness abducting poor Mabel to take him into the ministry and later make him Viscera. Gary just reaching out, just like, I have Mabel's name! (laughs) We'll keep it going, I don't care. Um, So we then end up with, on Raw... A little bit prior to this, McMahon decides to hold the Corporation versus DX Corporate Rumble. And it was essentially it was a ten-person mini Royal Rumble match, the main event of Raw. The winner would take the number thirty spot. He was hoping this could potentially be his way out of entering at number two, and it certainly looked that way. McMahon entered. Uh, McMahon managed to eliminate Triple H after Triple H had just taken out Kane. It looks like it's all over. DX's music plays and out walks the ninth wonder of the world, China. China dispatches of McMahon and gets her place in the Royal Rumble match. Let's get back to the Rumble, shall we? China comes out at number 30. And and you could think, okay, she's just going to go and like beat up some of like the, the lighter guys. That'll be fine. Oh, no, 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 no. If China's in this Royal Rumble, she's going to make a bloody impact. She goes after the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, and actually eliminates Mark Henry. Let us remember that. She hits him with clotheslines, manages to get him over the top rope. Yeah, she got stunned by Austin immediately afterwards, but we'll just gloss over that for now. But China made history there, because before that, we never had a woman, we had never had a woman anywhere near actually competing in a Royal Rumble match. China will always have that spot as being the first one. The thing that just annoys me is that she was not around long enough to see where it is now. Because imagine, we're going to hold the first women's Rumble match. Potentially, 
if she had still been alive, I'd have had her come out number 30. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And there's a lot of what ifs. I don't want to actually keep the discussion going too long in this one, considering we do have a China show, spoiler for you, uh, scheduled in the works for later this year. But um, I will I will ask this question directly, directly to Dave. Um, what do you think about the... F- the Think we've seen women enter into the men's rumble, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in this day and age. How do you feel about that? Do you think it's something that does work and should continue when and where, or do you not think there's really a place for it anymore? Um, well, it's kind of hard to say, really, because back then, you know, that was the only opportunity you could get women to go in the Royal Rumble. Like, even in 2010, when you had Beth Phoenix into the Rumble, and, you know, she also got a big elimination as well, eliminating Great Kali before being gts by CM Punk and then thrown out. But So it's, they do get, they have had big marquee moments, and even in 2012, Karma makes a surprise return, eliminates, well, Michael Cole, which makes, doesn't sound so grand, but it's, it's still another woman entering a men's Royal Rumble, which is, Mm -hmm. uh, which it was, it was a big deal. But nowadays, now that the Women's Royal Rumble's become an annual thing alongside the, the male counterparts, it doesn't feel that special anymore because there's no reason for them to go in the Men's Royal Rumble. 2019 obviously being the exception where Nia Jax took R-Truth's number 30 spot, but largely because she felt unjust in the Women's Royal Rumble earlier in the night. We so did not speak obviously- at that moment. Kwaku would be very disappointed right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hated that moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, why, why, why did you hate it so much? Well, it may be because it's Nia Jax. I don't rate her particularly highly. <laughs> uh, so that may be part of it. And the other one might be that like, I love our truth, and I thought our truth coming at number thirty was was great. Yeah. I I'm not a fan of intergender wrestling. I know there are people that are fond of it, and you know everybody's yeah. entitled to their opinion. It's not for my taste. I I love. Uh, you know, as you, you guys know in this show, I've been a huge advocate for the growth of the women's divisions uh, across all sorts of wrestlers. I want that to continue. I don't think there's a need for women to be entering into the Royal Rumble. And equally, I would agree that there's no need for men to be appearing in the women's Royal Rumble. And I, um, I there were a lot of people that were very unhappy about Santina Santino mm-hmm. appearing in the Women's Royal Rumble last year. Um, I know it was fairly inoffensive, but it wasn't supposed to be taken seriously. But I'm just not in favour of it. I, I'm not a fan of intergender wrestling. I think this moment with China we were talking about is um, is worthy. You know, 22 years later, we're still talking. Is it 21 years later? 22, whatever. Yeah. Uh, still worth talking about. She was in the ring for 35 seconds, and we still talk about it now. Yeah. That was special. Um, I'm just not a fan of it. I hated the Nia Jax run-in for the reasons I said, and some of it could be just because I really dislike Nia Jax. Well, something you might like better, Gary, something you might enjoy a bit better than that is the moment that Scott McLeod is about to take us through, because sometimes the Royal Rumble comes down to a final two, and that final two can give us something that might be more memorable than everything that's come before it in the match itself. And Scott has one of those such occasions to talk about, so take it away, Scott. Well, um, I'll briefly comment on Daniel's one, because he never came to me for my thoughts on it. And that, like, I get you saying, like, the way she, like, beat McMahon in that corporate rumble. We need to talk about the way McMahon sold the fear on his face when China came in. He made her look like a big deal, like, oh, God, no, I forgot about her. And then, like, the fact that she eliminated Mark Game is a bit more significant, because, like, remember that time, 98, 99, it had a storyline where Mark Henry developing his sexual chocolate gimmick 
tried to uh, yeah. on China tried to get her to go out with him. Uh, some elements of that storyline also don't age particularly well, but then you see the way he laughs at her after she's immediately eliminated by Austin after he eliminated him. He's walking away like Alan Partridge, like, needless to say, I had the last laugh. <laughs> but we move on to the second moment, which is uh, the final two of the 2007 Royal Rumble between Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. And sometimes when it comes to the final two, it's just a bit of a quick exchange and then somebody has to finish or someone goes out. But we've got like a mini match within the Rumble, like, because Shawn, they was eliminated Edge and Art Brandy Orton overrated RKO. They were just on the brink of about to be a uh, breakup. And they're both just like laying on the floor, both knacker taker earned at number 30. And we'll find out Taker sits up, and just after he sits up, Michaels kips up. And a lot of people have pointed to this one as like almost the precursor to their two epic WrestleMania matches at Mania 25 and 26. So they have all this Mania match, and like Sean's won the Rumble before, Taker had never won the Rumble before, but these are like two favourites at this time. Either of these guys could have won it, and it looks like Sean's got it. But then Taker just managed to just lift him up, kind of the super kick, and throws. Michael's out and Taker significantly becomes the first man to enter at number 30. This is in 2007, like yeah. nearly 20 years of the Rumble, and no man's won from the number 30. And it's just such a moment. And like the fact that this, this we're 10 minutes or so, but he keeps going back and forth when you're watching it, you don't know where it's going to go. So you, you know what, going back, but you're still captivated by this, this moment because like these two couldn't put a bad match on against each other if they tried. Oh, we could get a bad tag match if you're in Saudi Arabia, but we're not talking about that. <laughs> That's an our story for an hour day. And I think what we're going to do, just continue with this final two, I'm going to go with my next pick as well. Um, because, like you talked about, final two can sometimes put on a mini match, but sometimes it needs to be restarted. And that was the case in 2005 uh, between Batista and John Cena. It was clear they were meant to do a spot uh, wherein it was meant to be Cena's feet that hit the floor first, however that ended up not being very clear and uh, there was panic backstage and Vince McMahon ends up running down to the ring <laughs> to try and fix the situation and both his quads blow out so here we see the funny uh, sight of Vince McMahon sitting like a teddy bear in the middle of the wrestling ring absolutely unable to move and his edge if you've not heard Edge tell the story uh, in Inside the Ropes go to Edge to uh, and listen to him tell it I was there for that because he says that everyone in the back was just absolutely killing themselves when this happened (laughs) and I think they weren't the only ones I was also killing myself uh, when I watched this back each each and every single time uh, that it's happened so two very good moments but um, Gary what do you think of both of those final twos that Scott and I have brought up and there are any others that come to your mind and flashing your memory yeah i think scott's right that more often than not the final segment is relatively short and often uh it's rather unspectacular if you think of the the closing of the women's the first women's rumble with asuka and uh one of the bellas can't remember which one thank Thank you outside the ring where they seem to like kick Asuka wins by kicking her legs away from her I mean it's not the most iconic moment is it it's a wee bit untidy looking Um, so often this bit's a wee bit underwhelming except for the year that Scott mentioned on I don't think that's been equal to yet um, in that that way but yeah I mean there was the time before WWE tried that sort of uh, 
going out together finish you had a far superior worker in Brett the Hitman Hart controlling controlling it I'm not sure that Batista and John Cena's technical prowess behind <laughs> coming near Bret Hart so I'm not sure in hindsight that was the greatest booking in the world it was bloody hilarious mind you and uh, they managed it you know well on the fly with the referees doing it but Vince coming out just that whole bit he was clearly angry throws his jacket down runs to the ring oh Mm-hmm. Uh, it was. I mean, the man must have been in absolute agony as well during it. But oh, oh my goodness, it's so funny. And uh, Dave, I'll come. I'll come to you. Obviously, I think what mine and Scott share is that it was two big stars in the company mm. who, up until that point, hadn't crossed paths. Uh, you know, a lot. Um, Shawn Michaels hadn't really crossed with The Undertaker since he returned uh, to WWE and had his second run um, and this was really Cena and Batista both at the precipice of, of success mm-hmm. um, are there any two stars that you feel in this upcoming Rumble could benefit from such a spot? Ooh, see that's a, that's a difficult one to say because you could have some interaction with the New Day, being that they're on separate brands, given that Big E's been tipped, you know, to be a favourite yeah. to win the Rumble. You could have, uh, you could maybe have Keith Lee interact with somebody uh, unsuspectingly. You know, maybe if somebody from Retribution comes in, say, you know, Big T Bar, who you know is Dominic Dijakovic. You know, you know those two are great friends in real life, and they absolutely tore it up in NXT with some of their matches and stuff. Maybe if we saw a clash between those two, you you know, those that are those that are coy about the the relationship with those two outside the ring that might actually you know maybe catch some people's attention but aside from that there's nothing that really sort of stands out for this upcoming rumble in particular daniel what about the women's side of it is there any two women that could benefit from that treatment of having a final two to to tickle our fancy you know for a potential future match well i, I don't even know i mean if we are wanting to go back and revisit a certain rivalry which I did hear at one point they were considering it for Wrestlemania then I would put Bailey in the final two but maybe just to spice up a wee bit to give some uh, familiar territory to you know the feeling of the final two of the Rumble since this woman already had a final two spot with another one of the four horse women what about Charlotte and Bailey? Ooh that would be exciting. Like have, that would be exciting. Like have Charlotte, you know, like outperform Bailey, like show that she can still run rings around Bailey on like the best day. And then all it takes was one wee moment, one split second just to go, woo, and Bailey gets her out. <laughs> yes. Yes, that would be insane. I would love the men's rumble to see a, maybe a, a 10 minute clash in the final two between Biggie and Keith Lee. Because yes. we've talked about how Excellent. both of them are maybe on not on that level yet. We're questioning whether it's their time. Big run in the rumble, you know, big moment in that final two. That could be the bump. That could be the boost. I just both saw, men need. I just saw another one potentially there. Ooh. It's one that you know people will probably be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this is happening." But imagine if it was Big E and Kofi. Oh, imagine that the yeah. two like they look across each other. They know, well, we love each other, but. One of us is going to WrestleMania. May the best man win, and they put on a barn burner. That would be something special. Kofi needs to be in the final two at some point. I think he's like he's been WWE champion, and I think so now he's a title of somebody who could win a Rumble. Mm. Being the top guy, 
and like a lot of people said like how is Kofi not won a rumble with all these spectacular like eliminations like uh, escape of eliminations so have him come down to the final two and then have Big E stop when Kofi goes to like save himself some spectacularly but then Big E knocks him off the apron or whatever it is knocks him off the apron like not this time off you go <laughs> <laughs> nice. if I can, can I just can I just throw a, a really left field pick out there like okay. what if we had an interaction between Sheamus and Cesaro two members of the bar Maybe, I know, maybe not the final two, but you know, sort of somewhere in the middle, where you have somewhere. two two people stand off around a, a sea of bodies. Like, I think a, an interaction between those two would be quite quite good. Gary, I think what's worked with some of the examples that the Shawn Michaels Undertaker example there is um, there was a story and there was a history there, but they were separated without the brand split. Whereas recently, there's you know, there's very few people that are on one brand. Yeah. Time. So Daniel Bryan's one that springs to mind. He's he's only really been on SmackDown, hasn't he, since he returned? Yeah. And if you think about Daniel Bryan, who he has history with, he has history with the Miz. So Bryan and the Miz could do that. Now I don't mean to put that anywhere near in the same league as Undertaker. Yeah. Shows, but just in terms of there's a story, there's a history. They've been separated. You know, there could be a wee bit of fun with with that type of thing, but that's the type of thing, and that's where the women's division comes in. A wee yeah. bit more difficult to think of something that's going to be fresh, um, and that we're not seen for a period of time because you know there's yeah. you know, there's not a, a very deep roster at the moment, and there's a bit of intermingling. But the Bailey Charlotte one would be good, and certainly would give Bailey some more uh, legitimacy uh, as she was to go on to yeah. um, face Sasha at WrestleMania. For sure. It's about these moments. Uh, I, I just popped them out there. I think the last time Taker and Michael actually faced off was the casket match where Sean injured his back, which was in 1998 at the Royal Rumble pay per view. So there you go, 2007 mm-hmm. Royal Rumble, almost first time in almost 10 years these two have faced off now. And then Cena Batista both came up yeah. in the company at the same time, separated by the brand split, hadn't really had much interaction. And then they have this like moment that we're all still talking about. They think much like Roman and Drew, like you didn't think at the 2012 World either of them could have won. They're both planned on being in the main event spots. These two, even though the spot went, like landed perfectly and it was an accident, and then they went back and did it again the way they were yeah. meant to. But these were the two guys they had their eyes on for WrestleMania. And it just happened so perfectly that moment being seen that you'd have sworn that it was planned. But then you mm. see just how angry Vince is, you feel like, no, it wasn't like. And, I know the story you're talking about Edge, he was eliminated just before that moment happened. So he's walking up the ramp as Vince is coming, so he's just caught the, the anger in Vince's eyes and he's coming down the ramp. Yeah. Scott, was it the following year after Sean and, and Undertaker closed the rumble? Was it the following year that they opened it at one and two? Yeah, they were in uh, mm. MSG. Yeah, Taker was at number one and then uh, Sean Michaels was it and then everybody put in the comedy were going, oh, these were the last two last year. I believe they then took turns eliminating the first few people that came out. One of which being Big Daddy V. <laughs> there you go, two viscera mentions in the one show. <laughs> and none from me. <laughs> Gary's abstained. Um, but we do have, we've been very excited to talk today, but we do have two last moments to talk about. So I'm just going to let the people who own those moments describe them to us to close out the show. Firstly, I'm going to come to Gary because you're taking us back about about 10 years for two returns that you particularly enjoyed. Yeah, I mentioned earlier on, I always quite enjoy the Legends returns to the Royal Rumble and they sometimes give this some nice spots over over the years. Um, I mentioned a couple of them earlier on. I mean, particular favourites of mine were uh, 
Jimmy Snooker and Roddy Piper in 2008 when they had that showdown in that Madison Square Garden. Both men well past their prime. Well past their prime. Well, the prime was a dot to them at this point. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bubba Ray Dudley in 2015, that was a great one. Mm-hmm. The Hurricane in 2018. Um, and there were two, as you t- mentioned, in 2011. And 2011 is not well regarded as a, a, in terms of a rumble. It was the first uh, and only 40-man Royal Rumble, but despite it not being well regarded, there are a couple of nice moments in it. I think the Santino almost winning it happened at this rumble mm-hmm. as well, isn't it? Yeah. So the... Up until this, uh, the point I'm going to talk about, we're just waiting for the buzzer from number 21 to go. And the new Nexus, do you remember that group? Uh, Curtis Axel, Mason Ryan, David Otunga and CM Punk were standing tall in the ring. Uh, number 21, um, the buzzer goes for that. And Booker T returns to the WWE. His music hits the crowd pop big style, and so do the commentators. Michael Cole is very enthusiastic, but Matt Stryker is the star <laughs> of this. He was like a kid in the sweet shop when this went on. Um, Booker T uh, unfortunately didn't last particularly long in this rumble. He was eliminated uh, before number 22 came out. But in terms of a moment, it had everything, you know, he got some of these big moves and he hit a scissors kick in Mason Ryan and the crowd went mental. He hit Curtis Axel with a bookend, the crowd went wild. And he hit a spinner Rooney at one point and the crowd went really wild at that point. Um, unfortunately, he was eliminated just after that um, with Mason Ryan. But so a short moment there for Booker T but a really hot uh, hot reaction for him and in that rumble there was another legend that returned and it was at number 32 and at this point the ring was a bit fuller, we had Cena Wade Barrett, Kofi Kingston Seamus, Dolph Ziggler and Rey Mysterio most of most of these people will be in this year's Royal Rumble <laughs> um, Oh I hope Barrett's in it Oh, <laughs> oh yes, yeah, way better in the rumble. Excellent. Uh, but what was great about this one at number thirty-two, uh, Diesel's music hit, and up until that point, we hadn't seen Diesel in the WWF since nineteen ninety-six, nineteen ninety-seven. You know, when he came back previously, it was his Kevin Nash, but he came back as the Diesel character. The music hit, and people instantaneously knew who it was, and the reaction was was phenomenal. And I mentioned Bubba Ray Dudley's return uh, in 2015. I, I mean, it may just be me, but see, when the music hit, the, well, the fireworks and the music hit, it took me a moment to realise who it yeah. was. Yeah. And then I got very excited. Whereas with Diesel's music hit, everybody seemed to know straight away who it was. Right, I, had right. the same, I had the same thing that I had, though, if it was slightly surprised of it or not. But I think that's one of the reasons that the Diesel one stands out for me is, you know, it just instantaneously people knew the music hit and folk went crazy and the pops were incredible for it. So those were 2011, not regarded well as a Royal Rumble, but it did have a couple of good moments in it. Two really good returns, but we did also have a debut that David Hockney is going to talk about. Yeah, WWE finally got phenomenal. Tell us about that. Oh, I would argue that this is probably the biggest shock surprise and not to mention one of the best debuts that WWE has had in its history. Like, 
AJ Styles arrives on the scene at the 2016 Royal Rumble as the number three. Now, Roman Reigns and Rusev had just started off the Rumble, and poor Rusev, you know, he gets buried in, you know, about less than less than the minute 30. He goes out before number three comes out. So Roman's, you know, he sort of got the ball rolling with, you know, being stuck at number one, but then he's just, number three's music starts playing, and you think, wait a minute, whose music is this? And I was literally just, I was watching this, and I was racking my brain trying to think, wait, I don't know whose music this is. Like, what's going on here? And then you just see Roman just staring at the screen, looking all very debused. And I know I was the same. And But the, the problem was the camera just sticks on Roman, so you can't see what's going on. And the live show, it just shows the camera in that stuff. <laughs> yeah, the camera's in that position. Then you, hear the fa- then you hear the fans <laughs> pop. And you think, oh, God, what's going on? What's going on? And then it finally cuts up to the ramp. And you see this hooded guy with his arms out and you think the entire wrestling universe from WWE to TNA to New Japan collectively loses their shit like it's AJ Styles the phenomenal AJ Styles is now in WWE and he's in the Royal Rumble match like probably the biggest shock reaction I think I've seen in a Royal Rumble never mind at number 30 or anywhere else in between this is someone who actually got given time to take a slow walk to the ring, slowly get in the ring, and then begin to engage with Roman Reigns. So it wasn't just a quick run there. You think, oh, blinking, you'll miss him. He's right there. This is someone you had to just, just take a minute, soak in the moment, and just let this man's presence, you know, ignite a crowd. Like that is what made AJ's debut so damn special. And in the edited version, it actually shows the Titantron, and this is what made the crowd pop. It goes, "I am." You think, okay. And when the word phenomenal comes up, that's when everybody goes crazy. Yeah, and it's it's really great. And I think the Rumble is the right place for an amazing return. Uh, it could be the right place uh, for a very effective debut, uh, if done right, like Styles was. Like you said, not one and done. He's still entertaining us to this very day. But what did you guys think? Uh, tell us in your thoughts. Who would you like to see in this upcoming Royal Rumble debut? in that match who would you like to see return talk to us the Eat Sleep Suplex retweet community page and Facebook tag us on Twitter Instagram you know do old TikTok do everything whatever the kids are up to these days Reddit you know you can do do, Beeple Beeple get us a wee Beeple right? MySpace alright we'll have a great time over on the social media sites this has been fun I'd like to thank my panel um, starting with Gary thank you very much Thank you. Can you believe we got through the show and I managed to resist talking about Mabel in 1999 and the elimination spree he went on before his <laughs> Royal Rumble surefire victory was ruined by The Undertaker? I mean, you almost got through it without talking almost about it. Almost. <laughs> Daniel, thank you very much for coming on today. I thank our truth. Thank you very much. <laughs> Mr. Scott McLeod, always a pleasure and a bit of joy. Been a lot of fun. It has been fun. And Mr. David Hockney, we all know um, that you're going to put that red hat back on right after this. Don't, don't you fool us. Bear, but I do have a red hat, but it's a Washington Nationals baseball cap. Uh, you can, you I, can I, do whatever I, you want. I know where Washington is. I know who sits there. Uh, join us next time on the feature show. Check us out in Central, and I'll see you guys later on. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. 
go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.